This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. When it comes to your finances, go for the credit card that's always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. That means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We're talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hello. My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's The Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and one of the biggest money lessons you've learned during your lifetime. We'll review one popular author's list and add in our own. As today, we're joined by one half of the Talking Real Money podcast, Don McDonald. And say hello to a money maven who can turn pennies into profit, Paula Pant. And last but not least, we've got the OG of frugality, Ebenezer Scrooge. Nah, he's out tracking down some ghosts who owe him some money. We just got his even stingier brother, Len Penzo. But that's not all. Halfway through the show, I'll share some NYC-themed trivia. And now, a guy who is the Indiana Jones of finance, it's Joe Saul Cihai. Is that because you've got a release coming out that's going to bomb Joe? (laughs) (laughs) Because he's almost as old as Harrison Ford. Jeez, holy... I can't even talk and they're landing to me already. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Friday. we got a surly group with us today. I'm Joe Saul Cihai, Average Joe Money on Twitter. And I was going to take exception with some of that, Doug, because let's go deep under Los Angeles where Len Penzo joins us. You're not stingy. You were handing out lasagna like it's, uh, like it's, uh, I, I, Halloween candy. Lasagna. Something. Thanks. Well, I'm not, yeah. I'll tell you what, I'm not cooking at all today, Joe, because it is hot. I'm miserable. Everybody's, you know, it is so hot out there. How that the hot cows is it? Are giving evaporate. <laughs> well, the cows are giving evaporated milk. <laughs> it, it, it only took, uh, please let the record show, it took 37 seconds <laughs> until we got the first. I've been working on my delivery for Doug. So <laughs> Fabulous. And joining us from Manhattan, and apparently we're going to be doing some Manhattan-based trivia later, Paula Pant from Afford Anything's here. Oh, well, I'm excited about this trivia contest then, if there's going to be some Manhattan. Manhattan-based trivia. You know, we don't have OG here, which means, Paula, we got to try to get you get you ahead of the game further, you know? Right, if we right. Can get, yes. I'm, you know, I'm, what, in second place? 
You're going to brag about that. You've been bragging about that all week to your friends, haven't you? <laughs> oh, yeah. I've updated my LinkedIn profile. <laughs> yes. And the guy who I'm sure is updating his LinkedIn profile right now because he's here with us today. I seriously doubt that's why he would update his LinkedIn profile. Don McDonald's here. How are you, man? Yeah, I'm good. It's so nice to be back. I'm feeling the love again. I was missing the gang in the basement. Thank you for welcoming me back. How have you and our other brother Tom been lately? We've been busy, 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 making lots of podcasts and doing stuff like you guys do. Just and for the cranking them out. Three people that don't know Talking Real Money. I noticed on Apple Podcasts, they talk about shows that other people listen to and they listen to your show. Mm-hmm. That obviously because Paul is here and we're there, we're always afford anything next to us. But then Talking Real Money's right after that. But for people that don't know Talking Real Money, tell everybody what you guys do. Oh, oh, I bet you'll never guess. <laughs> we talk real money. Shut up. Yeah, no, really. Uh, what we do is we do a, a slightly more investment-centric version of what you guys do. Is We try to guide people down a reasonable path to reasonable wealth in a reasonable period of time with reasonable expectations and reasonable risk. It's all about reason. And just being sensible and straightforward, we rarely have guests unless it's somebody like Joe Salcihai or Paul Merriman uh, and his, you know, in his little Robin Hood gang. Um, yeah. But we, we don't have a lot of guests on because we don't want to have a bunch of people who are confusing people about what to buy and what to do. We want to keep it simple. So we've been doing this for literally ever. I mean, I've been doing a talk, financial talk show now since 1988. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Oh, my. Way back when. Way back when. When it was act, there was actually radio back then. And by the way, Len's feeling really good about that because we generally rag on him for his age because he's like a year older than me. So uh-huh. I'm, I beat y'all. <laughs> so how you feeling now, Len? <laughs> I, don't I don't know what to say. I'm I'm kind of verklempt from just uh, just uh, <laughs> this is awesome that I'm not the I already I already got the uh, old joke on Twitter for on that you sent me, Joe. One of the uh, stackers just couldn't resist oh, no. making an old joke about me. Oh no! Did they really? Yeah, you sent it to. You're actually like, you doing. <laughs> Did they really? <laughs> you How old are you now, Joe? Wait. <laughs> Oh, I guess they did. Yes. Well, uh, that sounds reasonable, Don. After it all is. that, I think all that sounds very reasonable. We got Don McDonald here. We got Len Penzo, Paula Pant, neighbor Doug is here. We're going to talk about one of uh, famous authors meditations about his life. And the reason for that is, you know, it's halfway through the year. It's just over halfway through the year and, and time just slips by and you're like, where did it go? And I haven't done anything. So how do I look back and maybe get some good lessons? We're going to do that in just a moment, but Don, it's been a while since you've been on. Have you seen the updated list of rules when you guest on this show? No, sir. I have not seen the updated. Okay. Hold on. I I was not sent those. I'm sorry. Okay. Just (laughs) hang on because we're going to play them for you and everybody right now. This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. 
Insure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Wow, Joe, that sounded like a sponsor spot, not the rules. Oh, I guess I pressed the wrong. I did that on Wednesday, Doug. Oh, I did that on Wednesday with Kate, and I did it again today. I thought, Hold I, was on. Just, I thought I was just filling time for you. <laughs> no, hold on. Let me press this button. This is the button with the rules. Well, now you got your to-do list, don't you? You're ready to go dive in and be better at money than you were an hour ago when you started listening to the show. And you know what? For a great partner, become a member at Navy Federal Credit Union because becoming a member at Navy Federal could help you earn more and save more. Their certificate options could earn you more than standard savings accounts with competitive rates. Not all financial institutions offer you as many choices for savings options as Navy Federal does. For example, you could start your savings journey with a low minimum deposit, add money at any time, and watch your savings grow. Thanks to flexible terms, you can use Navy Federal savings options for all kinds of goals, short or long term. Considering a big home improvement project, maybe you want to consolidate debt. Well, when you're thinking about debt, as I've said before, a lot of people have debt. Very few people have a debt strategy. Well, with Navy Federal, you could borrow up to 100% of your home equity with a fixed rate home equity loan with zero closing cost or easily borrow as you go with a home equity line of credit. Make the plan. Choose the best option because both options could help make life's big expenses seem more manageable. To learn more, visit NavyFederal.org. At Navy Federal, our members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, equal housing lender, membership required, terms and conditions apply, loan subject to approval. Forget it, Don. Forget it. We're just going to go without the rules. How about that? Okay. Because they confuse <laughs> me anyway. I wouldn't follow them. But before we get started, can I ask a favor? Actually, I'd like to ask Don a favor. After the show, would you mind doing my voicemail for me? I, I think your voice is just, uh, it, it's so awesome. Funny you should ask. Uh, I'm just doing voice work now. I just started up in, in the voiceover business. So sure, I'll do yours for free. You're just awesome. started. Don just noticed he's got like a gold voice where we'd all throw well, ours Lynn's away. Lynn's told if we me had that his. a couple of times and I went, I should probably start voice acting. <laughs> you should. No offense taken, Len. Don't worry about it, buddy. <laughs> oh, I'm good over here. Oh. 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 <laughs> Been on every week with Doug, but no. All right. Sorry. We got Don. We got Len. We got Paula. Let's get moving. All right. Today's piece comes from a little known author named Ryan Holiday. Paul, I'm not sure if you're familiar with this guy. I, I certainly am. He's uh, been a guest on the Afford Anything podcast. Oh, braggy brag, brag, brag. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ryan is a fantastic author and, uh, as I've heard, a heck of a human being. But Ryan had a recent blog post, 31 Lessons I've Learned About Money. And he walks through 31 different things that he's learned over his lifetime. And I thought at the halfway mark, as I said previously, this is a great time here at the midpoint of the year to kind of do a little bit of reflection before we roll out the second half. Let's start here at the beginning. His very first point, Don, we'll start with you as our sure. guest. He says, I've never met a person who ever reached, quote, their number. He said, you know, people say when I hit X amount of money, I'll be good. They say, once I have this year's salary in the bank, I'll be good. Nobody ever seems to get that number. We're never good because we move the goalposts. We, we do that to ourselves, don't we? Like we refuse happiness or reflection on how good things are. We constantly seem to live in, in, in what a coach of mine calls the gap and not the gain, all the good stuff we've done. 
Absolutely. And it's it's really sort of sad. And I've really tried in my personal life, just make it very personal, to try to get past that psychological hurdle because, as mentioned, I'm getting old. There has to be a point where there is enough. And I loved this piece, by the way. Oh, the whole piece was great because it's more about enjoying what money can do for you as opposed to the, just the pursuit of money. And I've never, even though our show's about money, I've never been a huge fan of just chasing money for the sake of money. There, Despite the fact we don't get comfortable with a the number, there needs to be a range where we finally go, that's about where I'm comfortable and I don't need much more. Hard to do. Paula, I saw you had a post about this over a 4th of July weekend about how we, you know, we were have this big pursuit about money and how we use 4th of July to talk about financial freedom. Yes. <laughs> it all kind of, everybody shows pictures of fireworks. By the way, you posted all that neat stuff. I just posted pictures of fireworks like everybody else <laughs> that nobody's going to open and watch. But I think you're on Don's bandwagon with that one. Well, I am, but I'll add a little bit of nuance here. So, um, or, or a slightly different take. So yes, I absolutely agree that you should never confuse the the means for the end, right? Money is a tool that allows you to live the type of life that you want to live. To what Don was saying, you need to have a range of what type of life do I want to create for myself? And when you reach that type of life, you're like, cool, I'm good here. That being said, there's also a lot of joy in pursuit, right? So it's sometimes it's not about sometimes the reason that we move the goalpost is not because of the goal itself, but because we really just enjoy pursuing a goal, like the act of pursuing a goal. And without that, we're left rudderless. And and you see this could be a fitness goal. It could be a charitable goal. It could be a goal related to chess or poker or, I don't know, having the most elaborate game of fans fan theory, right? Like whatever it is, there's joy in pursuit. But I think the key there, Paula, is joy. I mean, how many people have we met where it's just more, 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 not M-O-R-E, like M-O-A-R, like more, <laughs> more, give me more. And and this pursuit becomes overwhelming and there's no, they suck the fun out of everything because they're so worried about having more, more, more that they never really enjoy life. Right, right. It reminds me of this phrase, plan for tomorrow, don't live in it. Uh, yeah. And when yeah. you get so caught up in the more, you should never sacrifice today. Right. And that doesn't mean don't save, obviously. Right. But it means, I'll be happy when right. I'll be happy when exactly. is a lie. Exactly. Yeah. Well, let you know, I was thinking about you when Don was talking earlier, because you're somebody who put off retirement because that number, you know, went down <laughs> during the pandemic time. And I remember you're like, I think I'm just going to stick it out a little longer. And then they asked you to stay a little longer. Uh, what did you think when you read this first one about not reaching your number? Yeah, what I thought was the numbers, it's a constantly moving target. So it's really just something, uh, it's kind of like having that, you ever see those, uh, they tie a stick with a carrot hanging around you and you put on the headband and so you're, you're walking forward and that right. carrot's out there, right? And you're chasing right. it and you never get to it. There is no right number. And, and the thing is with life, you know, as you get older, I mean, things happen. There's things you cannot foresee that come up and they could move that number down or it could move it up. I think- Don hit it earlier where he was saying, you know, it's like kind of like your lifestyle or maybe it was you, Joe, I can't remember, but if you know how, what kind of lifestyle you want to live, it really doesn't matter what that number is throughout life because you know the kind of lifestyle you want. And so therefore, in a way, it's kind of like a constant almost. I mean, if, if you're, I think most people are uncertain 
And I think they have bigger goals in retirement. And it's almost like they want to spend more. They think they want to have all this extra money so they can spend more in retirement. When in reality, it's actually the opposite. Uh, you actually spend way less than uh, you anticipate you're going to spend in retirement. At least that's how it's been for me so far. And, and it's been really cool so far, you know, now that I'm, uh, what, seven, eight, nine months into retirement. And I mean, it's great, actually. I'm, I'm like, man, I've got I'm doing really well is what I'm because I've I've spent way less than I anticipated. If if you're not spending enough, let Doug and I come over and help you out, man. <laughs> <laughs> we can we can change that trajectory if you need it. No? <laughs> I think that was a no. Sure, sure. Yeah. yeah, come on, I'll cut you I'll cut you a check. Sure, no problem. He's just gonna ignore you until you go away. <laughs> I was saying, did that sound like a nervous laugh, Don? That sounded like a nervous laugh to me. You know, like, don't yeah. come over. <laughs> but I can't say it on the air because people are listening. Lock the door, honey. Lock the door. Back to you, Don. The second one. It's important to remember what once seemed like a lot of money to you. He says, when I dropped out of couch to work as assistant in Hollywood, I took a salary for $30,000. I remember saying to myself, no joke, what am I going to do with all this money? It's pretty cool to remember that feeling. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of remember that feeling. As a matter of fact, uh, it was something I was going to mention a little later. Uh, when, when I was young, when I was a young man, I accidentally stumbled into being a stockbroker. It was totally accidental. I was making a lot of money for the time, for the 80s. It was a lot. And uh, it comes to one of his other points. Is <laughs> I quit my job as a stockbroker to go into radio for $500 a month. But it changed my life. So, you know, money, while it felt like a lot, and I never got, it, it wasn't until recently, literally like within the last five years that I got back to an after-inflation adjustment level to what I made in 1984 as a stockbroker. Wow. Wow. Money is, is again, that's why I want to come back to the, to that whole point of not reaching the number. And this is the point of the article. We're not going to be really happy until we stop making the pursuit of money, the goal and the, the, the excitement about the money, the impetus for doing this. Yeah. And I'm wondering, Len, what's the core of his point here about $30,000 being a lot of money when he's young and remembering that? Well, I, I think the core that, I, that I'm taking away right now from Don is I should have been a stockbroker when I, when I graduated. That's what I got so far from that. <laughs> that's, that's a takeaway. <laughs> no kidding. I've tried to get my daughter to be a financial advisor because all the advisors I know are making huge money and she's like teaching. What? What's she thinking? You know, I I think basically what he's, you know, making $30,000 and, you know, he thinks that was really great. I'm wondering if that's because, and I'm not sure what year that was that he was making 30000 but maybe that was because his wants were a lot less and he hasn't, he was living within his paycheck and and whatever his wants were at the time, he had enough discretionary income left over to uh, feel like he was wealthy. He felt comfortable. And that's probably because of his, you know, discretionary spending desires. They, they were lower. I'm sure if he was, you know, looking for, you know, he wanted to drive a Lamborghini and live in this huge mansion right off the bat, he, you know, he'd think he was poor. But I think a lot of it had to do with his attitude about discretionary spending. That feels very true to me, Len. When I was really bad with money, I found that it didn't, you know, the big lie was, was if I just make more, my life will be better. If I made 80, I would have spent 100. If I made 100, I would have spent 120. Made 120, I would have spent 140. And it was just, you can't out-earn your bad money yeah, habits. Lifestyle inflation, they call it, right? I mean, yeah. it your salary goes up, and so your lifestyle goes up. And you'll never win with that. You'll never win. 
And yet his next point here, Paul, is Seneca said poverty. Imagine Ryan Holiday quoting Seneca. Isn't that weird? <laughs> Just, I'm sorry. For people who don't know Ryan Holiday, that's what Ryan Holiday does, yeah, is quote Seneca. He's well known for his stoicism. Yes. Uh, it was wanting more. He wasn't talking about poor people. He's talking about rich people. Talking about people who are insatiable. Rich is having enough. I guess he's, you're right. He's pounding that point home. Yeah. You know, but I think there's, again, there's a little bit of nuance here. So like Ryan Holiday and I are roughly around the same age. So if he was making 30 grand right out of undergrad, adjusted for inflation, that would be probably around 40 grand today. And so you graduated yes last week? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <That's right>. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't the price of eggs 40 grand? I, technically, actually, I did graduate last month. <laughs> you can see right back there, it's actually on camera. See that envelope that's right above my stove? That's my oh. diploma. Yeah. I was going to say that looks like a diploma that's, envelope. Yeah, that's a di- that's my diploma. I literally haven't opened the envelope yet. I'm not sure the fire marshal would approve of that flammable <laughs> item being near your stove. Shows how much she thinks about that yeah. paper right there. Let's put it on the stove. You know, I don't think Stacy Johnson would be impressed with that. No, <laughs> Stacy Johnson, who showed up with his Emmys done conspicuously in the background behind him. Just happened to be there. Uh-huh. Actually, it's funny. Jill Schlesinger did the same thing. So they, they, they apparently are proud of those things. Oh, and, and of course, none of us would be. Should I know. I, if no. I got an Emmy, would I care? Should I bring no. my unopened envelope from the stove over to the, hold it into the, <laughs> right. the frame? So somewhere there, Paula, we missed the point. What was the point? <laughs> well, okay. So on one hand, Ryan Holiday's his wants increased, right? At that point, he was probably living, I'm I'm going to guess he was probably living in a small apartment with a bunch of roommates. Today, he lives on a farm, right? And a farm is much more expensive to maintain with, you know, with all of the land and the, the property taxes and everything like that. Back then, he didn't have any kids, right? Today, he has two kids. So wants change, lifestyle changes, um, level of responsibility or number of dependents changes, So I I think that we can't just say that it's, I mean, I don't want to finger wag about lifestyle inflation because expecting somebody to live, you know, with like five roommates in a tiny apartment for the rest of their life, including like, it's just, you don't, you don't want to main, I mean, I don't, nobody wants to live, nobody wants to live like that for their, Yeah. but everybody has a, a lifestyle with which they feel comfortable. And that should be what you you work toward is the lifestyle that's right for me. That may be one, excuse me, that requires a lot of money, but it may not. Isn't a Seneca thing then? I mean, isn't it about asking yourself whether I really do want this, Paula? Uh, yeah, I think it's about being happy with what you have and appreciating what you have. I mean, I think that's kind of like the... You know, I, I think basically the Seneca quote is trying to say that if you don't learn that skill set, the skill set of saying whatever I have is good, then that lack of skill will stay with you, will infect your level of happiness no matter what, or your level of satisfaction no matter what your external circumstances. You still seem uncomfortable with that, though. Yeah, you know, I uh, I just think that it's a little oversimplified because number one, there's there's a certain level that's just unacceptable. Anyone living at an extreme level of this is just not an acceptable lifestyle shouldn't be asked to be satisfied with it, right? There are certain circumstances that are simply untenable. And I also think that there's an and here, 
you know, if you have a circumstance that is tenable, you know, you can simultaneously be satisfied with it and also strive for more in part because you love the game, right? And you love the joy of pursuit, as we talked about earlier. So I think there are several asterisks and a few ands to be added. The last one I want to point to before I set you guys loose on this one is this uh, a little bit further down the piece. He says, pick the low hanging fruit. I've had to remind Daily Stoic employees several times to be sure to sign up for the 401k matching we offer. I've left money for too long in checking accounts when the easiest of transfers would have significantly increased interest I was earning. Don't get overwhelmed by the whole of life, the Stoics would say. Do easy things first. I think about that. What's funny, guys, is I immediately think of something that's low-hanging fruit that I'm not doing. And I'm wondering, what's the low-hanging fruit in your life, if you don't mind sharing that with our, with our stacker audience, that you're like, man, I should be doing that, but I'm not. Don, do you got one? Not anymore. I think I had a, uh, for a long time when I didn't take advantage, uh, when it was more important to have the money to pay the bills than it was to put the money away in the 401k when I had an employer and get that free match. It's like seeing a Benjamin on the ground and not grabbing my Benjamin and putting it in. Yeah. You know, you can't leave money just laying around. But anymore, I don't think I leave money laying around. I think I may do a few things that aren't great with money, just out of sheer boredom or the need to just do something with my money. But the low-hanging fruit when you're younger is often elusive, and it's not very obvious. It's one of the reasons why I think it would be such a great idea if it was just the norm to sign everybody up at an employer for the 401k. That Fabulous. It, it was done. It was the default. The choice you had would be to opt out. Opt in is what you get. That would eliminate a lot of this low-hanging fruit for many of the younger folks out there working their tails off toward a retirement. Really, what's the ultimate goal of all this saving and investing we do? It's retirement. Live more. You, you know, and it's it's funny that you even bring that up because you've seen the studies like, like I have that uh, people are likely to keep saving if it's opt out instead of opt in. Mm-hmm. People, more, more people stay with it. Very few people actually opt out. Mine is actually even simpler than that. My low hanging fruit is I've got too many of those TV subscription services and I only have one set of eyes and, I, and, and I've got like Apple TV, Disney Plus, uh, Netflix. Um, and, and I was reminded of that because I love the Tour de France and I signed up for Peacock at the start of this month at a rate of like another $5 a month. And, I, and I'm, the and trick you know, is if it matters to you, if it really the money matters, yes, you just quit them. You quit them and then you sign up again. Well, that's exactly it. My cousin does that very well. He signs up for one, he does it. And I know that while I'm busy with the Tour de France, Don, I'm not going to be watching Disney Plus. Yeah. So why the hell do I still have it? And yet it's, I felt like Ryan was talking to me with that one. Len, do you got one? You know, I did, um, like Don, as you get older, I think, you know, if you're financially responsible, you don't have any low hanging fruit. But I, I did uh, about a year ago, and I think most people can, this will affect most people today still, I believe. If you've got a lot of money in a high interest savings account or just a checking account or a not a high interest savings account, take that money out and put it in an, a CD or a money market or even better, a treasury bill because it is paying so much more right now. I mean, you're throwing money away by leaving it in a bank right now. I mean, if I may just insert something, Len, to that point, we on the show last week, I went to my Schwab account on the air on the show and looked up their brokered CD rates. I could get a one year brokered CD from Schwab for 5.45%. So I went to Bank of America 
and typed in all my stuff and to see what they'd give me on a five or on a one year CD. Zero point zero three percent. Yeah. Cha-ching. Yeah. Same. Well, it was I, a Bank of America CD at Schwab. Five and five point four five versus point zero zero three. If you go into the bank, that's There's so some low hanging fruit. I'm actually a bigger fan rather than CDs and money markets is, is treasury bills right now because uh, they're paying even more than the CDs. And the other beauty of the of the treasury bills, and when I say a bill, I mean less than uh, one year or less, 26 weeks, 17 week, 13 week, eight and four weeks. It's tax free at the state level. So you're only charged federal tax. So that gives you even higher real interest rate when you think about it. And because it's the federal government, I mean, it's nothing is safer than the federal government. If, you, if you've got some sort of paper thing like that, uh, it's even safer than a bank. And it's not treasure bills are not subject to gating fees and they're not subject to crisis fees. They can shut down a money market and you might you might not even be able to pull that money out of your money market in a crisis. That's true. not true for a T-bill. So, I mean, that's why right now I'm, I'm a huge fan of T-bills for savings accounts. Well, there's some low hanging fruit. Paula, low hanging fruit in your life right now? I definitely have too much money sitting in checking accounts for sure. hundred percent. So, yeah, it looks like I should be buying up some T-bills. Yeah, too busy uh, getting that diploma you're trying to burn on that stove. I know, right? <laughs> did you say did you say checking accounts plural? Yes, like uh, business and personal, both. Oh, all right. Yes, she just likes visiting banks. I, have to, <laughs> I love that bank. I love that bank. Loves those people. Now, if only they'd love her back. There, there's, there's Paula's love life with banks right there. Uh, let's do uh, one quick one around before we go to the break, guys. Uh, what's one on this list that you really like, Paula? I'd say um, the one about acceptance. So where is it? Uh, da, 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 da. Acceptance, acceptance, acceptance. Ah, oh, come on. Acceptance. Boom. Acceptance is a difficult thing, but it's an important skill as you become successful. Accept that a certain amount of your investments will fail that mistakes will cost you, that there will be fees, that you will have to pay taxes, right? Accept all of those things that are, you know, some people just get very caught up in um, or let be thorns in their side. I love this quote, Paul. I don't remember who I heard it from, but the quote was around, we got to stop being so egotistical and thinking we're going to get it right all the time. Just realize we don't get it right all the time and have the bravery to fail forward and accept that we're not perfect and change it quickly. Mm, you know, I like the courage to fail. I like, yeah, that. I'm writing thought, that down. Actually. I, I thought that was super advice. I wish I could remember the source. Uh, uh, Len, which one do you like? I really like the one about don't compare yourself to other people. I think a lot of us do that at times. It's just natural. You'll see somebody and they're doing really well and you'll be like, it'll bring you down a little bit. Um, or you'll th feel like you're behind because you've done something wrong. And that's just not, you know, it's just, you're, don't do that. You worry about yourself and that's the only thing that's important and that you're meeting your goals and you're doing what you need to do to be happy. I think uh, that one stuck out to me. I do it all the time, Len, and it truly is, as mom says, the thief of joy. It truly is. It sucks the fun out of everything. Yep. Don, uh, before we go to the break, which one's yours? When it comes to managing money, I think the most difficult thing people face is their emotions. And so I'm going to go with the discipline is hard. Oh, yeah. Your emotions will make some of the worst decisions you will ever make financially if you let them. And that's why that idea of automation that he refers to, automate everything, make it a rule, make it a habit, make it 
rebalance your portfolio once a year. Know what you you how you need to invest, what your risk tolerance is, and never deviate from that unless your tolerances or needs change. Find a way to create disciplines that are automatic behaviors so that you can control that stupid little lizard brain of yours that says, ah, <laughs> the world is ending. <laughs> well, it's it's funny because when he when he wrote that, and I love that one too, by the way, I just think that automation makes it so I can be a little less disciplined and I'll still be okay. If it's automated, I'm not going to mess with that. Then I'm going to get emotional in other areas. Well, that's what I say. Save your emotions. Yeah. Get them out of the money. Save them for your family. That's right. Save them for that horrible Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah. 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 <laughs> We're taking 4th of July pictures. Right. Of fireworks <laughs> that no one wants to see. That's ever. Hey, I sent them to everybody. And then I saw that all over the internet. Nobody's going to open up and watch your 401k fireworks. <laughs> I, f- I, I, felt like, I felt like that dude from the progressive commercial, Len, where you're becoming your dad. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> let's send these to the family. These will be boring as f***. <laughs> Holy cow. I'm, I'm horrible. All right. Welcome to the club. At the halfway, at the halfway mark of, I got to start wearing dark socks up to my, up to my knees now with my shorts. That's going to be next. Sandals. At the, at the halfway mark of every show, if you're brand new to Stacking Benjamins, we have this uh, Friday competition between our frequent contributors, Paula Pant, Len Penzo, and OG. Don, you are playing on Team OG today, which means you have some good news and some bad news about this year-long competition. Which one would you like oh, first? Oh, I always prefer the bad news. Get it out of the way. Well, the bad news is even though Team OG has won the past two years in a row and currently has the dollar store trophy mounted right above where he uh, usually sits when he's on well, the with show. With his Emmys. Yes. Well, that is his version. That's our version of the Emmy. <laughs> Nobody would consider us for an Emmy, so we just have the dollar store I won trivia trophy. So the bad news is uh, you and OG are in last place with seven points. That's where I figured I'd be. That's, uh, that's <laughs> The good news, though, Don, though, is that that means you get to guess last because Paula Pant is in a really weird place. She's guessing second because she's in second place. I don't know how the hell that happened. I don't know what's wrong in the universe, but Paula's in second. And then Len, two points ahead with 10. So Len has 10, Paula has eight, OG has seven. Len, you're going to guess first, but we need some trivia to make that happen. And this is where we swing it back to Doug. Doug, what are we talking about this week, man? Hey there, stackers. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I think it's time to tighten the belt, make some tough cutbacks around here. My bowling budget's out of control. But, you know, it it puts a strain on the wallet when you have a natural gift for knocking things over and you love pitchers of beer. So it's time to trade one activity for another and head to the park. Less to knock over and the cops kind of frown on beers in public. That keeps the wallet happy. Speaking of parks, did you know there are a boatload of them in every city, especially NYC? NYC, wait, what does that stand for? Non-youth culture, maybe? <laughs> oh, no, that's that's Len's house. Uh, oh, it's uh, it's New York City. That's right, that's right. It's a good one. It kind of rolls, rolls right off the tongue. I'm going to start using that. The most well-known park, of course, just might be Central Park, where the squirrels probably do hardcore parkour. You could play a mean game of hide-and-seek in this urban oasis squarely in the center of Manhattan as it spans a whopping 843 acres, which is the equivalent to 646 football fields. The park has seven bodies of water, 
including several lakes and ponds and welcomes around 42 million visitors each year. People always talk about Central Park. After all, it's the most famous and most visited. But NYC, see, it just rolls right off the tongue. It's brilliant. Has more than 1,700 parks, playgrounds, and recreational facilities. So my question is, where does Central Park fall in the ranking of the largest parks in New York City? I'll be back right after I grease up some acorns and watch the squirrels bat them around. We'll see how they adapt to the challenge. Doug, so easily, easily amused. And uh, NYC, they, they, they should adopt that, Doug. That could become a thing. I think the t-shirts, I see a whole marketing. Just imagine what they could do with that. All right, uh, Mr. Penzo, uh, Central Park. Is this a trick question? When Doug said bodies of water, I thought he was going to say bodies. Central Park has a <laughs> few bodies. bodies of, of water. water. <laughs> Buried. Which, yeah. which could also be appropriate. But Is the question, where does it rank in the city of New York City in terms of area, size? In acreage? In all of New York City. Where does it fall in terms of acreage, in terms they've of got, number of parks? Where does it rank? Is they've it, got 1,700 parks. Where does it rank in size? In New York City. Yes. D- yes. <laughs> also known as NYC. NYC. Yes. NYC. I, used, I could have swore it was the biggest freaking park in New York City. I mean, I, I, that's why I'm wondering. You got is, is this- Brooklyn. You got the Bronx. You got. Uh, Give us an answer. <laughs> <laughs> It's got to be a trick question, but I'm going to kick, my, question, I'm gonna kick myself. I'm going to kick myself if, if it's not number one, uh, but it's got to be a trick question. So I am going to say, I'm going to say four. He says fourth largest park. Paula, what do you think? I, I mean, so it's definitely not number one. Prospect Park is larger. Uh, there's a park that's up in the Bronx that is larger Dead air is awesome for entertainment. I, I know, right? <laughs> this is great. Do you want sound effects? <laughs> Dun, uh. but, <laughs> Don, can you do crickets? I do think he's close. I do think he's very close. Man. So what's going through my head right now is that on You're one hand- You're a local. You should know this. You should know this. Yeah, no. So what's going through my head right now really is I, I, I honestly think that the answer is like it's probably number three, four, five, somewhere in there. So, Len, you might be nose on the money, or if not, then you might be like, I think, one or two spots off. So you're going to Chelsea Brennan me. Yeah, well, well, we well got no, that. but here's the problem is I'm guessing second. So if I were to guess, you guessed four, so I don't want to guess too close to you and get sandwiched in. I need to leave some room. Isn't Paula getting serious now that she's in second place? I mean, she's this is like new territory. She's really getting very strategic. Is that here, that nice a trophy? <laughs> I mean, if I won the trophy. If so, I want to play more seriously. I'd put it on the stove next to my diploma, right? Ah, it is full of jelly beans. Hmm. I'm going to guess, just to allow some, some birth, I'm going to guess <laughs> some birth. eight. I beg your pardon? Eight. B-E-R-T-H, birth. Oh, I see. Oh. oh. Yeah. <laughs> Don, you got four and you've got eight. You got a field goal yep. there. It's really interesting that this question came up because my daughter just recently moved to Brooklyn and we were talking about Prospect Park where she's really close and she goes there all the time. And I said, 
isn't Central Park the biggest? She goes, no. How many bodies are in Prospect Park? I, probably a lot. But the one in the Bronx, which I think is Van Cor- mm, I don't know. Yeah. She said there's one in the Bronx that's bigger, Prospect, and then Central. Since she just told me this three days ago, I'm going to go with three. Don takes the under. We got three. We got four. I'm pretty sure on this one because you know, I trust my daughter. She's a teacher. And we got eight. I'd love to tell you right, Don, but um, we're going to make you wait. We'll be right back. Stackers, you've heard the bad news. Mint is shutting down. If you've been using Mint to manage your finances, well, there is some good news. There's a better alternative. Monarch Money, it's what Cheryl and I use to manage our money. I, as you know, advocate a weekly meeting, and Cheryl and I live by that weekly meeting. We sometimes miss it, but we get back on the horse And half the reason is, is because we consistently get updates and reminders from uh, Monarch money. I'm a notifications off kind of guy, but with Monarch, I want to see the notifications because it helps us collaborate. We have our goals right next to the short-term spending that we have when we open up the app so we can see exactly what we're truly going for. And, you know, compare that thing in the moment that we want with what's the long-term goal. It's truly the next generation of personal finance apps. If you've been frustrated that there's ads all over your app or it's difficult to use or doesn't get updated, the Monarch people were too. And that is why they built a new kind of personal finance app that's intuitive, powerful, ad-free, and constantly improving based on customer feedback. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, your investments, your transactions, and more. You create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now you'll get an extended 30-day free trial when you head to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. That's monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. You're going to get to kick the tires for 30 days, which I absolutely love because you want to make sure that it's for you. And I think the longer you use it, the more you will see like I did, that uh, it's intuitive, number one. It has this very simple design that makes it easy to set up, customize, and use. It's easy to collaborate. Uh, Cheryl has her login. I have mine. We can set up how we want. And you can send it to your financial advisor as well to have them have a login. Anybody who's on your team, and you know what? No extra fee for that, which is amazing. It's all customizable, customer-focused, ad-free privacy you can trust. They'll never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. So after trying out Monarch for myself, I get why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, you can try it too with an extended 30-day free trial. All you have to do is go to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash Benjamins for your extended 30-day free trial. Dell Tech Fest starts now. To thank you for 40 unforgettable years, Dell Technologies is celebrating with anniversary savings on their most popular tech for a limited time only. Save on select next-gen PCs like the XPS 13 Plus, where you can make the everyday easier with Windows 11. Plus, curate your dream setup with great deals on select monitors, mice, and more must-have electronics and accessories. When you shop online at dell.com slash deals, you'll have access to leading edge technology and free shipping on everything. Again, that's dell.com slash deals. Len, you kick this off by thinking it might be the biggest. I think based on what Paula and Don both said, you're happy you didn't go with one. 
Well, I'm a I'm a Southern California. I, I had no idea. I thought it was the biggest park in New York City. I never even heard of Prospect Park. So yeah, this is this is a surprise. I learned something today. Yes, Paula, feeling good up there around eight. No, I think Don has it. I think Prospect, then Van Cortland. No, number one Van Cortland, number two Prospect. I think number three Central. I think that's that sounds right. Uh, and Don, how mad are you going to get at your daughter if you blow this question? Um, not. <laughs> that, that's because nice. I get nothing if I blow this question. <laughs> I lose nothing. I gain nothing, except for the OG's undying love, which I haven't felt expressed. So, what do I know? You know, for the record, Don, I'm going to be mad at your daughter if you're correct. So, <laughs> okay, well then, that's better. <laughs> there we go. All right, uh, Doug, who's writing this thing? Stackers, I'm wildlife enthusiast and outdoor referee, Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I am sharing trivia on the most visited and talked about park in New York, Central Park. The park covers close to 843 acres and is about 2.6 miles in length as the crow flies, but has 58 miles of pedestrian paths. Sure, it's popular with tourists and is in lots of TVs and movies, but my question was, where does it fall in the ranking of the largest parks in New York City? Well... Paula was off by three. Don was off by two. And Len was off by just one. It's actually the fifth largest park in New York City. For those of you who are interested at home, Pelham Bay Park is actually the largest at 2,700 acres. The Greenbelt. Pelham Bay's a park? Pelham Bay Park in the Bronx, 2,772 acres. Greenbelt, Staten Island is two. Van Cortland is 1,150 roughly. Flushing Meadow, now actually I think it's Fresh Kills Park is going to be four at 2,200 acres and then Central Park. So they got a lot of land, but most people like Len only think, when you say New York City, you think of Manhattan. You don't think about all the other boroughs. Wow. So Paula, the local... You were the furthest off proving how much I can't you believe I literally said that I don't want to guess five. I was like, you let him guess four, so I don't want to guess five. That's that's too close. God, that's got to be embarrassing. How many weeks in a row, Paul, have we said whatever you think, you should do the opposite? And Len, congratulations, OG. You're welcome. <laughs> and Don, I'm, I'm good with your daughter again, Don. We're, okay, we're back I knew on you good would terms. Be. All, yeah. all is right in the world. Yes. By the way, Paula, Prospect Park, second biggest park in Brooklyn. Not even the biggest park in Brooklyn. Wow. Wow. It doesn't make the top 10. 526 acres, second behind Marine Park. Wow. Hmm. Boy, was she wrong. She was way wrong. I feel stupid. That's really crazy. I thought it was by far the biggest park. That's amazing. Yeah, and yet you were right. So hush. Yes, I was. Well, sometimes that happens, Don. He's humble bragging. All of our stackers got something to talk about around the water cooler of the virtual Zoom call today. Hey, uh, time for the second half of the show, and the second half is brought to you by DepositAccounts.com. Don, you know what happens when you go to DepositAccounts.com? You deposit stuff in your accounts? You can, and you probably, (laughs) before you do that, you should look at all the different deposit accounts to decide if they're worth it or not. Because to your point, you walk into a Bank of America branch, they don't pay anything. And as we record this slightly before you hear it, savings accounts in America, national average is paying 0.41%. DepositAccounts.com tells me that top 1% average is 4.45%. CDs, uh, one-year CD, top 1% paying 5.41. National average, 3.45. Of course, by the time this comes out, those numbers are different. But you know where you go to find out? You go to DepositAccounts.com. Oh, that's where you go. Yes. And time for the second half. Let's take this piece 
And let's put that aside. People can go and uh, visit our show notes and then Ryan Holiday's site to read more of his 31 things. But here at the midway point of the year and thinking back over your life, let's talk about uh, some some lessons learned. If you were going to write your own 31 lessons, Paula, what would be at the top of that list? I would say focus on earning, focus on income, especially at the beginning of your career. Well, I mean, at all points in your career. Is this what you tell a younger you? Yeah, absolutely. Because I think that there are two traps that people can fall into. One is the assumption that it's all about frugality. And to quote you, Joe, you can't shrink your way to greatness. You can only frugal down so much, after which point you really hit diminishing returns. So focus on earning, focus on income. And the other trap that people can fall into is they get so caught up in investing and like wanting to really micro, you know, like they're, they're thinking all the time about like, how do I optimize my investments without realizing that your contributions are the single biggest determinant of the success of your portfolio. And if you don't have a high enough income, you simply can't make big contributions. You're curtailed in that. And this should be pretty exciting, by the way, for people listening to this. If you're in your 20s or in your early 30s and you're worried about, I don't know enough about investing, that's okay. It, learn more about how to shovel more money in right now and and be comfortable getting comfortable with investing over time. You don't got to be great at it now, Paula. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Len, how about you? What's one you tell a younger version of yourself? Um, wow. Well, there's one I learned the hard He's way. struggling and to remember that far back, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> the one I learned the hard way is a good deal. When you're making a deal with somebody else and you're bargaining or going back and forth negotiating, a good deal is when both people walk away from the deal happy. Because let's say you over-negotiate and you maybe bully somebody into making a deal they don't want to. That can come back to bite you in the end. And I'll give a quick example. This happened to me quite a while ago. Uh, I bought my first house, and I was tight on money. And uh, there was a new guy, uh, uh, one of the irrigation people that came by, I got an estimate from, he was new. I found out he was new, so I knew he was desperate. And I actually got him to agree to a price that was ridiculously cheap. He just wanted the job to get, you know, to get some money, and I was just trying to get things as cheap as possible. Well, you know what? I paid for it at the end because he used substand to make the price work, he used substandard parts. And the pipes were, for the next three or four years, the pipes in my yard were would burst because he used such thin piping. And that's because I had forced him down to a price that was so low that, um, you know, it was detrimental to me as well. He got his money, but in the end, I was the one that paid. You know, I was laughing at first. He was laughing at the end. So, you know, make sure when you're dealing and negotiating, you know, it's don't, you know, you want both people to be happy. Don't try to take over an advantage of somebody. Don? Well, g given the fact that I've had like, you know, Len Penzo years to learn, uh, <laughs> the thing that I've learned is um, embrace your very human flexibility ability. The fact that we have a, an incredible ability to be flexible in our lives and everything is not the end of the world. You do not have to live the lifestyle you think you have to live when you have to live it. You need to be flexible because the more flexible you are, the less disappointed you'll be, the more you'll be able to enjoy your situation no matter what direction it takes. And I think this is particularly prevalent for the day when you finally, you've saved all that money and you're going into retirement. 
I really believe you can enjoy a better life at any phase if you have flexibility. I'll give you an example. If you're in a year, you're earning money, but you you got no bonuses, your second job fell through, you don't have extra money, you become more, as Paul said, frugal during that period of time. The next year, you get a raise at work. Now you're making more money, you're putting a little more away, but now you use that flexibility to reward your frugality with a little bit more stuff that next year. You enjoy your life better. And so it's like uh, the puppy downstairs. You know, when the puppy does well, I reward the puppy. And if I made it through a bad time, I reward myself for making it through that bad time. And I think that'll make it easier the next bad time. I love how uh, our mutual friend Paul Merriman has worked that into his life when he was on Stacking Benjamins was talking about how he, uh, you know, in years when his portfolio does really well, they will take the big trip. In years mm-hmm. when it doesn't do really well, they will visit the Pacific Northwest where he lives because there's plenty of beautiful stuff locally. And he will be very flexible about what his plans are just based on life and what happens around you. And and so he's he's happy no matter what the market does. But also, it's built right into his life. And I also feel like, Paula, when you and I are answering questions on Afford Anything, how many times have we told your Afford Anything community that too many people solve for optimization, not enough people solve for flexibility? Yeah, exactly. There's a great quote from J.L. Collins where he says, flexibility is the only true security. Yeah. That flexibility, that adaptability is, and it, it ties in with beautifully with Ryan Holiday's, uh, you know, stoicism philosophy. Sure. Flexibility slash stoicism, uh, guided by stoicism, is the ability to be content no matter what. Well, and you know, Len, I would think, I mean, you worked your whole career with engineers, I found that when I was a financial planner, this was a mistake that engineers make very often. They're so concerned with optimization that they forget the flexibility needs to be part of the plan. I think what a lot of people forget is life is meant for living and money is a means to an end. And it's okay to spend that money when you've got it. I mean, I know people... They'll save and they'll never spend, and they're miserable. I mean, it's it's okay to go out there and spend that money when you've got it, and and plan for that money. But it's important to make sure that you're not focused so much on just saving and making money and putting it away. I mean, go ahead and, and it's okay to spend money. It's a great point, and and Don singing off of your song sheet that this is just a fuel. You know, my contribution to this, I would tell my younger person, my younger self to find mentors sooner. Like when I've discovered mentorship and the fact that there are people that have walked this road before me, I was way too interested when I was young in, in learning everything by myself. And I was very stubborn. I'm like, nope, the fun is in learning it myself. Well, I made a bunch of stupid mistakes that I could have avoided if I'd found mentorship way, way, way sooner. Like, don't, don't do that. Doug, let's bring you here in at the end. What's one you tell your younger self? Um, if you think you got a problem that you can solve with money, you don't have a problem. Meaning money's the easy, quick, yeah, I mean, not, not best answer. So, I mean, when I, when I was a leader of uh, large teams, I also remember maybe the converse or inverse of that, which is ain't no problem like a people problem. Those are far more difficult to solve the complexities of the human mind and the and, and emotions and all of the the context that goes with interpersonal challenges. Those are real problems and those really require a lot of challenges to solve. Money problems, as stressful as they can be, believe it or not, there there's almost always an answer to solve those kinds of problems. But people problems are far, far more difficult. So don't focus on the money one so much. It's funny when you talk about people problems too. I, f- I feel like so many times people call, you know, 
personal interaction is the quote soft skills. I don't think there's anything soft about it. Like oh, people, God, no. people that can handle the quote soft skills are going to navigate life so much easier. Just so, Amen. so, so much easier. Well, I'm so glad that we had this conversation. I hope that this helps kickstart our stacker community for the second half of the year. You got so much stuff that we could do, and I'm just looking forward to see what people create uh, here, here, man, the next uh, several months. So let's go get things done. And to help them get things done, we have a blog and a couple podcasts that can help you get there. First of all, they can go to lempenzo.com where they will find Mr. Penzo what at lempenzo.com. You know, it's, it's kind of a corollary to what we're talking about today. We're at lempenzo.com. We're talking about does money buy happiness and how you can go about helping you buy happiness, at least to some degree. So uh, stop on by. It's an interesting conversation going on. Always an interesting conversation. I said, well, if you can't buy happiness, at least you can put a down payment on it. Of course. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Leveraging your way to happiness. That's that's right. Dom, will have our guest of honor go last. So let's turn to Ms. Pant. Paula Pant, what's happening at Afford Anything that will help us the second half of the year? Oh, on the Afford Anything podcast, will you and I, Joe, answer questions that come from our community? And we have started going on YouTube with video. Scary. Right? Scary. Right? So you so actually today we we were just kind of going through processing. So basically, if you go to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash afford anything, um, we're putting a lot of attention there. We're, we've just started. So, you know, moderate your expectations accordingly. <laughs> but we have just begun putting actual videos on YouTube. And that's something that we're only going to be continuing to do further and further. So uh, check out our YouTube channel. Subscribe to it. You'll be able to see my and Joe's face. As we happily answer your questions. Yes. Mr. McDonald, what's going on at Talking Real Money that can help people? You'll be glad to know that we've pulled our videos. We are no longer doing videos on YouTube, so you won't have to suffer through our faces. Because they were only getting like 200 downloads. And we went, why are we working this hard for this few downloads? Like what? But in the interim, I've redone TalkingRealMoney.com. It's a lot easier to navigate. Tons of great information. We now have buckets of great articles that I've written that we've gotten from some of the smart people at uh, Dimensional Funds and Vanguard and you know a lot of really great people around the country. We've got all of our podcasts we're now up to online. We just passed 1,200 podcasts. They're all there. Tom and I take your questions. We talk about the sensible, straightforward simple ways to build wealth so that you can enjoy a really nice, comfortable, flexible retirement. They're always fun, entertaining, but also, man, I get so much out of your shows every time I listen to you and Tom. There's a great back and forth from two guys that have been there, like people trying to do things. And you guys have, I think you guys have seen every scam out there. Yes. (laughs) Yes. I, I literally believe that. I mean, from doing a talk show about money since 88 and I did it Six days a week in the early days, five hours a day. We got to call you Mr. Ramsey. Wow. I heard a lot of stuff. I did Ramsey before Ramsey was Ramsey. (laughs) I think that's a good place to end it. And we will, by the way, we will link to Talking Real Money. Well, if you just pause and you put in the search, Talking Real Money, put in Afford Anything, subscribe to those shows, and then head to lempenzo.com and then come back then I think uh, you're good. But we'll have links to everybody's stuff at uh, our show notes page at stackingbenjamins.com. That's it for this week. Hope everybody has a great weekend. We always finish it up by asking mom's neighbor, Doug. Doug, what should we have learned today? 
Well, Joe first, take some advice from our panel and take the time to learn what it is about money that's really important to you because that knowledge is priceless. Second, take it from Don McDonald. Don't overlook the obvious. Sometimes you just need to grab your Benjamin when you see it laying on the ground. (laughs) (laughs) What the big lesson? Peanut butter and bacon attract way more than squirrels. Turns out there is much bigger wildlife at the park. Bonus, I learned a valuable life lesson and I got in a good long distance sprint. Thanks to Don McDonald for hanging out with us today. Oh, I can wait for the laughter. You guys go ahead. Are you the guy in the alligator video? (laughs) (laughs) You know, no, that's true. I have seen a family of raccoons at the park. They looked very well fed. Okay, here we go. (laughs) Thanks to Don McDonald for hanging out with us today. You'll find Don's show talking real money wherever you're listening right now. Thanks to Paula Pant for joining us today. You can find Paula's podcast, Afford Anything, at affordanything.com or... Like I said, where you're listening to me right now. But most importantly, thanks to Len Penzo for joining us today. You can find Len at lenpenzo.com slash yes, money does buy happiness. This show is the property of SB Podcasts, LLC, copyright 2023, and is created by Joe Salcihai. Our producer is Karen Repine. This show was written by Lacey Langford, who's also the host of the Military Money Show. With help from me, Joe, and Doc G from the Earn and Invest podcast. Kevin Bailey helps us take a deeper dive into all the topics covered on each episode in our newsletter called The 201. You'll find the 411 on all things money at The 201. Just visit stackingbenjamins.com slash 201. Tina Eichenberg makes the video version of this show. Once we bottle up all this goodness, we ship it to our engineer, the amazing Steve Stewart. Steve helps the rest of our team sound nearly as good as I do right now. Want to chat with friends about the show later? Mom's friend Gertrude and Kate Yunkin are our social media coordinators, and Gertrude is the room mother in our Facebook group called The Basement. So say hello when you see us posting online. To join all the basement fun with other stackers, type stackingbenjamins.com slash basement. Not only should you not take advice from these nerds, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any financial decisions, speak with a real financial advisor. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we'll see you next time back here at the Stacking Benjamin Show. Don, with you being on the radio and Len, you being uh, the leader of a band and Paula's uh, <laughs> deep knowledge of, uh, you know, anything cultural <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> that no one ever. <laughs>
I was just thinking we should talk about music, about maybe some bands that you guys like. And the re- part of the reason I bring it up is Don with you on the radio. And then, yeah. and then I just happened to have a song playing from a band and uh, Doug was like, what is that playing? And I played it for Doug and that's a band he'd never heard of before that ended up uh, about Duran Jones, Duran Jones. Oh God. So that was that album was unbelievable. But then I went and listened to his two subsequent albums and he, and he like changed genres. He does. Didn't like it as much, but that album where he kind of goes late sixties soul, kind of mid sixties soul. Fantastic. Fabulous music. Len, I think you'd really like this Duran Jones. I'll have to check it out. How long they've been around? Man, I don't know. Well, well that album, Joe, that I loved uh, was from 2018. Okay. Yeah. And then he's got a couple newer than that. Len, what's a band that our stackers might really like that they've never heard of that they can go check out? Gosh, I you know what? I You're asking an old guy about bands that uh, probably younger people would listen to. I, you know, one of the, it's kind of a relative, a pretty new band. My daughter got me into them, actually, that uh, I went and saw them. Uh, I saw them in concert uh, just a, in October. Uh and they're one of my favorites now is uh, Bad Sons. I love Bad Sons. Bad so, Sons. Uh, Bad Sons. I would uh, highly recommend them. They've been around since 2014, I think. So, uh, yeah, but I fantastic. It has like an 80s vibe to them, which is maybe why I like them so much. But, uh, yeah, Bad Sons. I do like bands that have a retro vibe. I mean, I think that's why I liked Amy Winehouse so much uh, back then was because just her her ability to, I don't know, have some respect for history. While at the same time making a sound that was totally new was just, you know, just Mm -hmm. blew me away. Uh, Don, I know you weren't doing music on the radio, but there must be. Actually, I did a stint on FM, but not long. There's got to be some obscure band then that you know from any time frame that that didn't get the love that they should have. Oh, there's so many of them. The the Canterbury bands from England in the 70s, the 60s and the 70s, like uh, the the North. 60s and the 70s, the 1670s. These were guys who just scratched uh, little lines in the pavement of Rome. Anyway, uh, the the uh, band called Hatfield in the North and uh, one called Caravan that were very obscure. But a couple I like that are new. Hatfield, for, wait a minute, is it Hatfield North? Hatfield and the North. And the North. And they're out of England. Out of, they're Canterbury Oh, here bands. they are. Yeah. Kind of obscure stuff, but good. But today, I really, the couple of bands... The, there was a big T-shirt thing on Ted Lasso where uh, the writer wore a Midlake T-shirt. Midlake is a tremendous band. I don't even They're know They're out Midlake. of Texas, and it's a very sophisticated 70s prog rock kind of sound. Oh, cool. Uh, so they're very good. I like them a lot. Another another Texas band that I like that, I don't know, a lot of people might know is, uh, I'm going to mess up this name, uh, and people are going to shout at their device. Is it pronounced a uh, Krangbin? Krongbin? Karangbin. Karangbin. Yep. The band yeah. that does Texas Sun. Yeah. And I can never, I can never, if you guys haven't heard the song Texas Sun, I mean, that's a few years old now, but Check just great Texas. You'll never refused. spell Karangbin. Yeah. By the way, that's why I'm looking up Texas Sun. Yeah. It's K H R U. So there we go. A N G B I N. Karangbin. Krongbin. All right, Paula. Sounds very Nordic. Paul is going to say there's this person nobody's heard of called Taylor Swift. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm actually a big fan of EDM music. And Good. So, there we go. Uh, as I'm, I'm looking through my Spotify recently played right now. A couple that I recommend, Sin Cole, S-Y-N-C-O-L-E, Sin Cole. Um, they just put out a, a new, they released a new single called Lovely Day, and it's lovely. Okay. 
You'll have a lovely day when you listen to Lovely Day. <laughs> oh, I see Sing Cole right here. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, Leaky Lee, L-Y-K-K-E. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She's great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So there's a song, oh, yeah. uh, I Follow Rivers, the magician remix. Yes. That, uh, I listen to that on loop when I'm like working out. It's just, it's so That's good. a song that goes, uh, I follow. I follow. Yes. Oh, it's so good. The don't, you know, I should have even done that because now I'm going to be singing that right? damn song all day. Right, literally. Yes. I got your earworm. <laughs> yeah, that is. I oh, will, Donna, totally I is. I will get on the elliptical <laughs> machine and I will play that on repeat and then just zone out, you know, like, yeah. Yep. It's it's just good stuff. fantastic. Hey, I've got some trivia. So, uh, so Paula mentioned a lane. song called "Lovely Day." Lane. Lovely day, and and I think Don would know. Remember Bill Withers? Oh yeah, Don, sure, yeah. absolutely. They had a song Lovely called day. "Lovely Day." Lovely day, and it has the it's the record for the longest held note on on an out on a. On I can a song. remember the note. It's so he held day. it. He held the note. Uh, yeah, he held it for like twenty nine wow. seconds. So that's the record for the longest note held on a on a single. I guess it's a charting single. I would have never guessed that. Well, and that's that's what we do here, Don. We drop the mic yeah. about Bill Withers. That's why I keep losing in trivia every time I'm on the show. <laughs> we should stop right there. That's what? good. You're not asking me for oh. my music? <laughs> no, we should stop. Oh, my God. I was so excited for this question, and then you're just ready to hang up the phone. <laughs> that's not the first time that's it happened. It's all freaking time. <laughs> Doug, do you have one? Yeah, Donnie Osmond, you jackass. <laughs> Starship. Uh, yeah. uh, we built this city. I'm going to go through. I actually have, I was t- I was sort of making a list. I saw, Paula, you were kind of looking at a list because you didn't want to lose your thought. I did the same thing because uh, I'm into a bunch of different people right now. Um, lately, I've been listening to a lot of J.J. Gray and Mofro. J.J. Gray. Yeah, they've been around for a while, but they just never kind of got pop. They're a big touring band, really big in the Southeast. I think he's out of Jacksonville, Florida. I just love their sound. Um, you know, big horn section, real gravelly voice. Um, he's got a beard. Kind of, yeah, J.J. and Gray and Mofro is great. Anderson East, I like him a lot. Lucas Nelson's awesome. Uh, Tedeschi Trucks Band, do you guys know them? Nope. Is that I a bet- new electric truck? No, Tedeschi Trucks, uh, Susan Tedeschi is like a singer. She's got a strong Bonnie Raitt vibe to her. And Dara Trucks, like a la Allman Brothers, Trucks family. Sure. Oh, I mean, they are unreal. And and actually, one of their songs is getting used, I think, speaking of cars, Don, they're getting used in a in a car commercial right now. So you might recognize one of their songs. It's one of their mellower ones. But but the guitar solos and, and Tedeschi Trucks stuff is unbelievable. Both her solos and Derek Trucks. But um, two others, one, Tosh Sultana. Tosh Sultana is this young woman out of Australia who made life as difficult for herself as she possibly could have as a young person, but learned how to play every single instrument that's ever been invented by a man, by a person. And she plays all of her own stuff. So she goes on tour and she has one of those sampling devices where she'll play a small piece, sample it, and then keep on layering it on repeat. And she is unreal. Tosh Sultana is unbelievable. And the last one I'm going to mention, I'm guessing only person on this panel that knows this person is Joe. And that person is Paul Weller. Oh, sure. And almost nobody in America knows Paul Weller. And in England and in Europe, this guy is, 
He, it's like saying, you know, do you know who Pete Townsend is? I mean, he is like the old school. They call him the mod father. He's the the father of so right, much. Right now, British Paul pop. is looking up Pete Townsend. I know. Um, yeah. Pete Townsend. <laughs> I've, I've heard that name. Hey, can I throw something in here? Yeah. That was your mentioning. I just forgot. I was recently, I recorded a, a voice job for a rapper. So I'm at the beginning of a rap song called Freaky Circus. <laughs> By a French rapper named Wax Taylor. So check that one out. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. I love it. My That's my strangest voice job, I think, ever. I love it. Freaky Circus, Wax Taylor. Do you Taylor. know what's coming after you? It's on, it's on Spotify. Yeah. Have you listened to it, Don? Have I listened? Love yes. It. I play yeah. it, but then we're going to get a takedown notice immediately. <laughs> so, yeah. So I can't. But um, It's on you. It is. It's so frustrating. Yeah, Freaky Circus. Go listen to it. And Paul Weller. And all those other bands. All of which sounded like, I got a whole list now. I know, right? I'm excited. We get- hey, 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 Don, were you good at, I think the term is hitting the post. Hitting the post when you were in your music uh, DJing. Oh, yeah, I was really good. You yeah, I, I was good. Not now. Apparently, I can't hit the post on this kind of a thing. But yeah, no, okay. I, I was actually relatively good at it. You had to be on talk radio, too, because you had hard breaks. What, what does hitting the post mean? Doing an intro into the song, and when you come right in, boom, there's the, there's the, uh, the lyric. Right. You know, it's like, hot as heck here in Los Angeles, and it's 75 degrees, and we're going to be, <laughs> and, you know, bam, right at the right, right when the guy starts singing, It'll be like 10 up. seconds of just instrument before the person starts singing, right. and the DJ's talking yeah. over the instrumental, and then the second that the singer is going to start singing, huh. Don stops talking. Wow, yeah, that is, That's that, that the post. is quite a skill. I think yeah. maybe we missed this post. Yeah. Oh, we totally did. <laughs> we blew right through it. Becoming a member at Navy Federal Credit Union can help you earn more and save more. Their certificate options could earn you more than standard savings accounts with competitive rates. Not all financial institutions offer you as many choices for savings options as Navy Federal does. For example, you could start your savings journey with a low minimum deposit, add money at any time, and watch your savings grow. Thanks to flexible terms, you can use Navy Federal savings options for all kinds of goals, short or long term. Considering a big home improvement project, maybe you want to consolidate debt. Well, if you're thinking consolidation, that's part of your plan. You could borrow up to 100% of your home's equity with a fixed rate home equity loan with zero closing cost or easily borrow as you go with a home equity line of credit. What I like, you make your plan first and then you use the appropriate instrument to get you there. And Navy Federal has them. Both options could help make life's big expenses seem more manageable. To learn more, visit NavyFederal.org. At Navy Federal, our members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA. Equal housing lender. Membership required. Terms and conditions apply. Loan subject to approval. 